Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And I wanted to say that to everybody else and, and the pastor overseeing it said, no, that, that's for you. And it was. It was for him. And so be careful about that. Be careful about projecting on the other people the stuff that God is speaking to you. Sometimes that's what we want to do. God will speak to you about repenting in some area. You feel like everybody else needs to know to repent of this thing. And you ain't repented yet. You know, you just got a word for everybody else. Make sure that the word is first at working you. Amen. And then, and then once my plank is out, I can help you get the speck out of your eye. Has God given you a word that you're quickly wanting to share with someone else? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains the importance of being careful when you receive a word from the Lord. First, make sure it aligns with God's word. Second, be sure to apply that word to your own life first before trying to pass it on to others. Third, Pastor Bill encourages you to be prayerfully considerate before expressing to others. Words from the Lord are weighty and powerful. Use them well. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Chapter 14, and Paul tackles some of the issues in the Corinthian church. And what I want to do this morning is he, he was really dealing with tongues and prophecy. And what I, I thought would be helpful as I was going through the chapter, we're going to look at some some difficult things and some challenging things, some debatable things this morning. I want to give a little context uh, to the culture and what was uh, what were some of the challenges in the Corinthian church because that's what Paul's addressing. He wrote this letter to them because they were a messed up church. We know so far they had sexual sin, they had rampant immorality. And in the midst of that, just consider this church with sexual sin and immorality and all these things, but they were really into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you'd wonder, like, well, what, what's that about? Like, how come on this side they're into spiritual things and over here they look really carnal? They're jumping in front of one another and everything else. And Paul is addressing a lot of that here. He's saying, guys, 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 I'm, I'm glad you're into the gifts, right? But, but we need to walk in love. And now what he does in chapter 14 is he makes a distinction between tongues and prophecy. Which one of those is for personal edification? Tongues. Personally edify me. Um, prophecy is for the edification of others. And Paul, at the end of our message last time, and if you guys would pick up there with me in verse 19, Paul said, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in a, in a tongue. And so Paul said, look, when I'm gathering together with the church, I'd rather speak five words that y'all can say amen to than 10,000 words. And that's, he's being emphatic, 10,000 words in a tongue, because none of you would be benefited, none of you would be edified, none of you would be able to say amen. You would just be like, wow, he just really went off. And so he was trying to bring the Corinthians to a place where they realized that, you know what, we need to be using our gifts in a way to edify and build up others. And that was really the heart of our last message. Another issue, and it'll, it'll come out as we teach today, in the Corinthian church, the setup was different than this. Some of you guys may have heard this before, but in this setting back here, how many husbands and wives do I have this morning? Raise your hands. All right. So in the Corinthian church, in that era, the setup would have been on one side of the church would have been the men. And on the other side of the church would have been the women. And maybe that was so that your wife couldn't elbow you when the message was speaking to you. But, you know, that was the way they were set up. Men on this side, women on this side. And a problem they were having, if I'm on this side and my wife's over here, and she hears something from up here that she don't agree with or have a question about, would it be appropriate for her to yell from there over here and say, Bill, I don't, is that right? 
which you yell over. And that was that was something that they're going to be addressing here. And so we're not really set up that way. But I would I would I, I would venture to say husbands and wives, you sit together. How many times does somebody whisper over or throw an elbow and add something? There, there's some of those things that are being tackled today. So look at um, pick up at verse 20 with me. I guess before I do that, here's the recap of what we learned about tongues so far. In verse 2 of chapter 19, uh, we learned if a person speaks in tongues, they're speaking to God and not to men. In verse 3, we learned that if a person speaks prophecy, they speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to to men or to those that hear it. We learned in verse 4 that in contrast to speaking in tongues, that only edifies yourself. When a person prophesies, they have the opportunity to edify the whole church. And Paul summarized it up by saying, hey, when we gather together as a church, I'd rather say five words and that you can understand than 10,000 words in tongues. And so now we pick up at verse 20. He says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. And he's saying, look, I don't want us to be immature. I don't want you to be children in your understanding. But he says, but in malice, I want you to be babes. And the Corinthians were the other way around. They were they were immature in understanding how to handle the truth, but they were very malicious. There was lots of negative things going on, and Paul is trying to correct them. He's laying things in order for them. And so he says now in verse 21, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. And if you're writing notes, that's a quotation from the book of Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. And this is what was happening in Isaiah's day. Um, God in Isaiah's day was sending prophets to his people. So they were coming, prophets of God were coming to speak to the people of God in a language that they could understand. And the Israelites were rejecting the messages. They wouldn't receive it. Um, They wouldn't receive what God was saying to the prophets. So God said, you know what? As a judgment against you guys, and this is what he, as he speaks this, there are going to be people of other tongues that are going to come and speak to you guys. And what, what actually ends up happening is they get taken captive by Assyrians. And so now they're surrounded by people that speak another tongue, another language in judgment. And so that's just an interesting verse to drop before Paul goes on to say what else he's going to say. But I want us to understand that. He says, look, you guys didn't receive the prophetic word that you could understand. Well, now you're going to have people all around you that don't even speak your language in judgment. They're going to be around you running the show. You're going to be in captivity and in bondage. And so verse 22 says, therefore, whenever you see therefore in the word, it points back to the last thing said. It's, uh, it's always a, it's a connecting word. Therefore, as a result of what I just quoted out of Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, he says, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. I'm going to go ahead and read the next verse, this is a, uh, man, there, there's so much controversy over these last, these, these two verses. I'm going to read them and I'm going to give you what I have on them. So verse 23, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly in this place. And so let's go back up first. And these things sound like a contradiction, right? He says, um, therefore, tongues are a sign not for those who believe, but from believers. 
And then, then he goes on to say, now if you come into church and everybody's speaking in tongues, they're going to say you crazy. So how does that work? What's he, what's he actually saying? And I can just tell you right now, over the last two weeks, there are volumes and volumes on what's happening here and what's meant. It's not, I won't even say it's a settled argument, but this is what I find to be the wisest way to approach it. 22 is what I don't understand. Um, it, it's the one, that's what leads question. Wait a minute, it's a sign for unbelievers. But you, when you go to the conclusion, Paul said, here's the conclusion of the issue. The conclusion is this. If the church comes together and everybody speaks in tongues, this goes along with everything else Paul said. It goes along with everything he said in chapter 12. It goes along with what he said earlier in chapter 14. When we all come together, if I stand here and speak in tongues, you're not benefited. If we all stand up together and speak in tongues, we're not benefited. And what he's going to say later on is that when we all come together, he's going to give very specific instructions. How many people could speak in the tongues in order and it have to be interpreted? He's going to give all the rules for it, the gift of tongues. And so I could give you all the, the, the reasons and all the different ideas about what it means. The conclusion is this. When we all come together, um, we're, it is not orderly or biblical or in line or in keeping with scripture that we would all be speaking in tongues at the same time. And that's what's been argued all the way through because it wouldn't be, no one would be edified. And the purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God and edify others. Tongue is, tongues is uniquely a gift that edifies ourselves. So if you do have the gift of tongues and you pray in tongues. Um, Paul said earlier in the chapter, he said, look, I speak in tongues more than you all. Um, so we're not putting down speaking in tongues. We're not saying it's not valid or helpful, but Paul said it's helpful for me personally. And so the encouragement is if we pray in an unknown tongue, that that would be something we do in our private devotion and our, our, our personal worship to God. If we're together like this and someone is worshiping and they want to pray in a tongue, God says, you know, you could do it under your breath. And so it's not it's not we're not forbidding it, but because it wouldn't be edifying if, if everybody did it. Maybe some of you have been in church circles where where everybody does pray in tongues at the same time. And you have to ask, like, what, what, what's accomplished in that? You know, we're not able to say, man, it's, it's, it's not really something that is, is edifying to those around us. And so God said, you can have a moment if you want to just have a moment of personal praise, but have it at home. When we come together, the few times that we do, we want to be edifying one another. You guys follow? You guys follow me? Everybody, everybody with me on that? So we want to use our gifts to edify, to build, to strengthen, encourage one another. And so he says next, though, he says, so therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place. And all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they will they not say that you are out of your mind? That will be the, the consensus or the, the response from a non-believer. Like, man, this is crazy. I don't know what they're doing. It's weird. And, and there are people now that they don't want to go. They'll, they'll go to a church like that and see that and be like, man, I'm cool. You know, it doesn't minister. It doesn't help. If I bring a non-believer, non-born again somewhere, I need to bring them somewhere where the word is going to be taught. I want them to hear the gospel. Right. If I have a friend or a family member that doesn't know God, I want to bring them into a church where they're going to hear that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the grave and 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 and, and wants to wants to save them and set them free. I want them to hear a word they can understand. It's of no benefit if somebody walks in and they say everybody's in here just having a good old time going, -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba, you know, yabba -da -ba doing everything else that doesn't benefit them. And if the goal of coming together is to be a benefit, then we need to think about that. Um, Paul is going to conclude that, you know, what? it ends up being very selfish and immature to behave that way when we have a greater function and a greater purpose as believers. Then he says in verse 24, but in contrast, and this is where the contrast comes, right? If we prophesy, if we speak forth the, the word of God, if we foretell 
um, under the inspiration of the Spirit, God says both believer and non-believer can be edified. If there's a prophetic word from the Lord, be it through the preaching of the word, uh, be it from brother to brother or sister to brother, whatever, God says that can benefit a, 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 a believer and an unbeliever. And so, verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, this is what happens. He is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And how many of us have heard reports of someone coming in and just feeling like God was speaking directly to them? Many of you guys, maybe that's been your case. You go and you think, man, I, I walked into a church and, you know, you know, you don't know the pastor. He don't know your business. And and he just, man, it feels like he was just speaking directly to me. And people sit there. And how does that impact the heart? They, they know, man, I believe God is speaking to me. Like, I know this is from the Lord. And I've, I've seen it so many times where I, I remember doing, I've done services. There are people here, I won't point them out. But I've done services here where I've had wives come and just say, I need to know, did he tell you? I'm like, no, I, I promise. I, I swear if it matters, I didn't talk. We, me and your husband did not have a conversation. I am not preaching to you specifically, but just, just and then, because we're going through the book, I'm like, I didn't even pick what we were going to be today. This is where the word is. And if it's speaking to you, then trust that it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. And so those things will happen. And it'll just be as though God is speaking to me. I've been in, I've been in churches where there are things I'm praying about. And I'm, I'm really wrestling with and I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth over it. And, and I go sit somewhere and listen to a message. And the guy don't know me or what I'm praying about or what I'm going through. And he just starts talking right to me. And I'm just like, okay, done. You know, I am convinced. I am the or or right because you can be convinced. The other thing is you can be convicted. You might walk in somewhere and you're living in some kind of sin or practice some stuff you have no business doing. And for whatever reason, on that particular day, the pastor speaking jumps on those things. And you're like, oh, man, that's when you be squirming in your seats and moving around and looking real uncomfortable. Some people get I've actually seen people get up and walk out. Just leave. Like, I, I can't take it. I'm not going to repent. So they leave. Which is, if you're not going to repent, that's probably the best thing to do. <laughs> you're under judgment. But, you know, it's, it's, you can be convinced by all, convicted by all. It's a supernatural work of the Spirit. So the prophetic word, again, many times it goes forth as there's teaching. Um, but there can be words that go forth one to another. How many of us here have ever received a, a prophetic word from a person that was legit? And by legit, I mean it, it, it was verified. It came to pass. Okay. That's a very edifying thing. When it's legit, I'm sure most of us have experienced or witnessed fraudulent prophetic ministries. And because um, it's really popular today and, and you know, everybody want to hear a good word and everybody wants to, you know, find out they're going to get their blessing, they breakthrough, they this and they that. And so um, there are lots of churches set up that way where someone just starts walking down. And, and I guess people really like it. You know, if I walked around and said, you know what? This week, brother, you're going to get your, what are you waiting on? You want, you know, you're going to get your breakthrough. You're going to get that job you want. You're going to get that husband, that wife. You're going to get, if, if I walk around telling everybody here, you get everything you want. You'd be like, yes, glory. Before you leave, I need you to see my offering though. You know what I'm saying? You got, you got to give, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's pretty much how it goes. So that's not it's, it, how that's supposed to go either. Um, me personally, in the times where I have received, uh, like a personal word, um, those things that were from the Lord, it was never, it was almost always something that when I heard it, it just rang true as soon as I heard it. Or I heard it was already a confirmation of something else I was previously praying about or looking for the Lord, to, you know, looking to God about just spot on, right on the spot. And so it's very edifying. 
it, it can be edifying to a believer and a non-believer. And so, as I told you guys before, and I will say this again, while we would discourage coming together and all speaking in tongues, I am encouraging those of us that may get a word from the Lord to be free in that, um, not to be hindered in that. And I told you guys before, what if you're, you know, for some people it's, it's um, I'm not sure, I, I think God is telling me this, but I'm not positive. Then what I told you guys before is that that's how you want to come about. You want to approach someone and say, you know what, I'm not sure this is from the Lord, but I don't want to be disobedient and not sharing it. So I'm going to just share it and then we'll both see together if this comes to pass. But I believe God has laid this in my heart and I'm going to share it. It would be better to do that than to be the, the after the event prophet. And I told you all about that. I, nobody appreciates the guy that after it happens, says, yeah, the Lord showed me. Yeah, you know, like nobody's edified or benefited by the fact that you let us know after it happened that it happened. But it's when you speak up beforehand that it has the opportunity to, to, to be edifying, to comfort, uh, sometimes to convict. And so I would encourage you guys as part of the body. That's one of the ways that a body of believers ministers one to another. Um, there may be times where you're sitting in. You know, the Lord just, man, the Lord just lays someone on your heart or lays something on your heart and it, it just be spot on. I've, I've had at times the Lord lay someone on my heart and just say, man, call them. Like, like call them, right? Like, like it's impressed upon me. You need to call them. They're, they're going through something. And lo and behold, I call and they are going through something and we may just pray. But in that moment, if there's a sense that, man, God is, God is involved. God is looking out for them. Um, I had at one point in time, um, my wife and I were, struggling to get some things together and you know we were we were having issues getting our dollars and cents together and, and we just sat down and prayed like I don't know what we're gonna do we just gotta pray and I had somebody call me a friend of mine pastor somewhere else he said dude God God told me that you need this and I mean it was exactly what we needed plus a little bit something for dinner you know that we can go out afterwards and it was like well if he told you I needed then shoot you know like praise the Lord but I remember you know I can't tell you how that ministered to us in that moment that, man, that it was like it was for me. It was like, it was it was as though God were saying, man, I'm fully aware of what you're going through. I heard you when you prayed and I spoke to them and they called and it's like, boom, right there. You know, it, it could be things along those lines. Um, it, it might be times where God lays something on your heart and it's it may be convicting. This is what I want to challenge, though, because I've witnessed this in the church. Sometimes people will have a strong feeling of their own or they kind of feel like something might be happening or whatever. And they'll couch it with, you know, I really feel like the Lord is saying this. And I want to caution us not to do that because then you end up lying on the Lord, which is bad. It's a bad thing. And so, you know, first we want to judge. If I feel like God's given a word, first I'm going to ask God, is that for me? That might be for me. Sometimes God is speaking to me and it's not for nobody else. God's like, that's for you. You go, you go, you go sit with that word that I'm giving you. The Lord needs to direct us that it's for someone else. And I was one time at a, a, a gathering and, and um, it was all uh, ministers. So we were having a time of prayer and there was a mic like this and we were just worshiping, praying and uh, it was open. And the guys, look, if, if you, if the Lord lays something in your heart, you know, to come and share and want to speak to the guys, uh, just come on up. And, um, but the Bible says that, you know, let, let prophesy, but make sure that we judge it. So there was a, a couple pastors up front and they said, hey, just share with me what you feel like the Lord put on your heart. And then we'll, you know, they'll basically sign off when you coming up to the mic and saying it or whatever. And I remember there was somebody that I was with that they were in sin. And the particular sin that they were in, they felt like they had a word to come tell everybody else to not be doing that sin. 
And they came up to talk to the pastors. I feel like the Lord wants to just tell the guys, man, the, the guys, there are people here that need to repent of this thing. And I never forget the guy that was here just said, man, the Lord's telling me that that word is for you. And so he didn't let him come to the mic. But uh, me being me, this being my friend, as he came up and he came back down, and he don't. I'm like, hey, what, what happened? And he didn't tell me uh, at that moment. But not too many months later, um, his, you know, he ended up confessing his sin. He was, you know, and and had to deal with the results of it and everything else. And he said, you know what? That day when I went up, you know, I went up to say this, and and I wanted to say that to everybody else. And and the pastor overseeing it said, no, that's that's for you. And it was, it was for him. And so. Be careful about that. Be careful about projecting on the other people the stuff that God is speaking to you. Sometimes that's what we want to do. God will speak to you about repenting in some area. You feel like everybody else needs to know to repent of this thing. And you ain't repented yet. You know, you just got a word for everybody else. Make sure that the word is first at working you. Amen. And then and then once my plank is out, I can help you get the speck out of your eye. And so back to back to first Corinthians 14 now. It is edifying, though, and we, we don't want to hold it back or quench it, but want to be careful that we do it in, in accordance with the spirit. And so verse 26 now, it says, how is it then? And this is the problem. When the Corinthians came together, everybody wanted to be seen. Everybody wanted to be up front. Everybody wanted to be recognized as a prophet or something or another. And he says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, everybody, each of you has a psalm has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. He said, let all things be done for edification. He said, you know, one of the problems with the Corinthian churches, when they came together, everybody wanted to be a part of the show. Everybody wanted to be, um, I, I want, they want the spotlight on me. And so he said, man, everybody, all y'all got a psalm and a prophecy and a word and a tongue and, and a ter- everybody got something to say. He said, man, cut that out. Let everything be done for edification. And we, we're careful not to, not to create that kind of culture within the church, you know, where everybody is just looking for an opportunity to be, to be seen, to be, to be up, to, to be recognized. And for anybody that's coming out of those circles where, you know, in the name of the Holy Spirit, things run rampant. This is what you find. There's a few people that kind of dominate that. They'll be, they'll be the woman that always catches the Holy Ghost and has to, you know, run up and down the aisles and be seen. You know, they'll be the person that always has a prophetic word, always uh, has a tongue to go forth. And for sometimes people in their own carnal nature, they want to be out front. They want to be seen. They want to be worshipped. They want the glory on them. They want the, the, the focus on them. And so that kind of church culture, it, it, it really sabotages what God wants because God wants all the glory to go to who? To him. We always say this, but when we gather together, who's the big deal? Jesus. He's always going to be there. We, if we do this thing right, there'll never be anything more important than Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. No person, no gift, no ability, no talent, nothing of a human being, nothing that a man could offer will ever be a bigger deal or outshine what Christ did on the cross. And if, if we ever get to the point where it looks like something's in competition with Jesus, we're doing it wrong. He's it. He's always been it. He'll always be it. There'll never be anything that should even compete with Jesus. And what was happening here when they got together it was all about them. You know, I got a word. I got a tongue. So, you know, it was me, him, me, them. And God says, man, that's, that's, that's you guys. Let things be done for edification, not, not for show. And so while we don't want to quench the spirit and quench gifts, we want to be careful. Paul said we, we don't want to fall on this side of it where we quench it and we don't. We don't use the gifts. He says, but let's do it in an edifying way. You got a word, then 
let's let, let's hear it let's share it you know let let, let the people be edified by it um let, but let's do things in such a way that that the lord is glorified and people are edified and it's not for show Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word.